and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday. You're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast, and be sure you visit my Patreon page patreon.com slash speakadogcast and become a patron of the show today. I would really appreciate the support, guys. Go and check it out. Yes. Now, today on the podcast, we have dog psychology class. It's time. Refresher course. Yes, we've got to go over those basic concepts of psychology. We're going to talk about positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, punishment, and what it all means and how it comes together for training your dog. Then we're going to have, so you want to start a podcast. Yeah, I know, not dog-related, but I've been getting a few questions about starting a podcast, so we're, I just put up some basic info about that today. So those of you guys interested in starting a podcast, so many different topics that can be on, uh, good info in there for you today. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, keep them coming. Hey, it can be podcast-related, dog-related, training-related, animal-related. Send it on over. Questions at speakadogcast.com or just message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with today's podcast, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, what breed of dog is born with white fur, but then develops black spots? Yes, what breed of dog is born with white fur, but then develops black spots? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's dog psychology class. It's time for that refresher course. Yes, maybe some of you newer listeners have not heard this segment yet. Uh, I've done it kind of a few times, a few different ways, and today it's time to talk about it again. Look, it's Psych 101, Psychology 101 class. Um, in my opinion, you really can't master dog training, animal training, without having an understanding of what you're doing. For that matter, I don't think you can succeed in a way that most of you want to without having that understanding. Like, I, I see a lot of trainers out there who don't rely on these concepts, and the fascinating thing is they use them. Yeah, they use the concepts. They don't realize it. They don't know how to explain it. They don't know how to recognize it, and therefore they don't teach it. Um, it's one of my biggest gripes with one of the most famous trainers out there, one of the most famous dog trainers out there. It's one of my biggest issues with uh this person. They don't explain what they're doing from a psychological perspective. And look, quite frankly, the reason psychology exists in the terms and in the way that it does is because it allows us a way to quantify and qualify behavior on a measurable scale to some degree, right? Um, that's the thing about psychology. This is this is not like, this is not my my opinion. This is not my technique. This is not anything I've made up. These are concepts that, quite frankly, I think are universal, natural concepts that we have found a way to label and understand. Um, and that's why they work so well. You know, look, while psychology does evolve as a field, and while everything evolves in a field, I think there are some fundamental truths. And, and for that matter, the, the, psycho the psychology world agrees that there are universal truths in the way we all learn, in the way we all understand and perceive the world around us, okay? So 
Simply put, every animal on this planet is going to learn the exact same way. We all do. We all learn the same way, whether it be dog, cat, bird, it doesn't matter, your Uncle Tom, your, your nephew Bob. Um, nephew Bob? How many people are naming their kids Robert still? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that's the point. We all learn the same way. Okay, the concepts are all the same animal to animal. The only thing that's going to change animal to animal, species to species, maybe even person to person or individual to individual, is going to be the motivation. What motivates you is not going to be what motivates me. What doesn't motivate me is not going to be what doesn't motivate you. Okay, so how we manipulate that motivation is how we get different results animal to animal. All right, so David, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying a lot of things and just wait, just wait. Okay, because this is gonna get a little crazy. This is gonna get a little difficult at times. Um, psychology is one of these things where to some people it can be very, it's just like anything, right? Some people math is very simplistic, not to others, that's me. Uh, depends on math. I, I can do algebra, I can do a lot of, you know, ge I liked geometry, that made sense to me. I enjoyed geometry. Um, one of the few math classes I can say I enjoyed, but that's the thing. Some people's brains are built some way, some are the other. So look, if you don't have that psychology brain in you, stay with me. We're gonna try to, we're gonna try to get this in a level that everybody can understand. But I think the biggest thing, and before we get started, the biggest thing that gets in the way of people understanding psychology and the psychological terms that go along with it, it's our preconceived notions and our preconceived understanding on these issues, on these concepts, on these psychological terms. And the biggest one we could even point out is positive and negative reinforcement. And that might be where we'll see if we'll start there. Uh, but those are very misunderstood concepts and I could almost guarantee that majority of you out there, and I'm not saying this is a slight, it's just the truth, I could almost 100% guarantee that vast majority of you out there do not have the correct terminology for positive and negative reinforcement. And because of that, because of this misunderstanding and this, this, this uh, mis, unfortunately it is, I hate to use this word, but it's true, misinformation uh, that's been put out there, it's true though, that's why people, I think, have such a hard time understanding these psychological concepts, because in our world, in the human world of feelings and emotions, just right off the bat, positive and negative don't mean the same thing from a human emotional standpoint as from a psychological standpoint. Okay, so the, when we, before we really dive into this, the first thing I have to tell you guys is just throw away your preconceived notions of what you think you know, what you think you feel, <laughs> any of that stuff about psychology, okay? And speaking of feelings, that's where we're going to begin. Feelings. Look, we're not going too much into animals and emotions today. But the first, I'm going to say two things about it. The first thing is, look, guys, I'm not, I, I don't doubt for a second animals have emotions. You, you work with them long enough, you work with them enough, and it becomes very clear. Animals have emotions. To what degree those emotions are, to how deep they are, to all that kind of stuff, First of all, we can prove in a lot of ways that it's not very deep for vast majority of the animals, whether you want to hear this or not. This is the truth. I'm sorry if I'm breaking hearts, but the truth hurts sometimes, guys. Like this isn't, I'm not going to not say things because I'm going to hurt people's feelings. No, this is just it's the truth. So it has to be said. The vast majority of animals do not have the depth of emotions that you guys think we do. Oh, David, but they do. They No, you let your own emotional bias think that they do. Okay. So with that said, First of all, okay, so that's that's the first thing. Animals do have emotions, but my thing about it, and in, in, in the psychology world, I cannot quantify and qualify emotions in a dog. I can't do it. It's impossible. I don't care how well you know your dog. Without asking, without the communication levels that we have, it's never going to happen. 
you are never going to fully be able to quantify and qualify emotions in animals. Even the highly intelligent ones, guys, I hate to break it to you. Uh, even something like an ape. While I'm not doubting that their emotions are more in-depth than a dog, I still can't quantify and qualify it. I just can't. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's never going to happen. So that's the first thing, okay, that we just have to dispel. And the second thing is you cannot let your own emotions get in the way. What do I mean by this? Look, guys, we, we, have, we have psychologists and therapists in, in our lives, and there's a reason that psychologists and therapists have success with people and working with them and their emotions. The reason being two things, as I always say, it's two reasons psychologists and therapists gain success. Number one, they have the knowledge, they have the understanding and the education of all the information that goes with it. And number two, they are an unbiased, non-emotionally, non-involved party, third party that can look at the situation for what it is and give the professional opinion without any emotional attachment. Did you hear that? So when it comes to training your dogs, even, yes, even a dog, you cannot let your own emotions get in the way because you become biased and you are no longer looking at it from a psychological training perspective. You are now looking at it from an emotional perspective. David, don't you love dogs? Of course I freaking love dogs. What the hell's wrong with you people to ask a stupid question like that? <laughs> I love dogs so much that I cannot let my heart get in the way. I love my parents to death because they raised us and didn't let this stupid thing get in the way of doing what was right for us as children and what we needed as children and the structure and the rules and the badges and then things you don't want to do as a parent that you have to. It's the same damn thing with your dog. Okay, it's just a little harder because they're fluffier and cuter than your kids are. <laughs> okay, um, so guys, take the emotions and throw them away. Get rid of them. All right, here we go. Let's dive in. Positive and negative reinforcement. You ready for it? Positive and negative in the science world do not mean good and bad. We just talked about taking the emotions and throwing them away, so that's what I need you to do. Positive and negative, you heard me. Positive and negative reinforcement in the science world and in psychology do not mean good and bad. It's that simple, guys. It's that black and white. Positive and negative are going to mean addition, subtraction, or removal, right? That's what addition and subtract, or excuse me, positive and negative mean in the science world. Now, the dry definition of positive, re no, excuse me, before, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. All right, so positive and negative, get that in your head. Uh, positive is going to mean the addition of something. Negative is going to mean the removal or subtraction of something. Okay. Now we're talking about stimulus most of the time. We're talking about the site. So we're adding a stimulus. We're removing a stimulus. Now what that stimulus is, this is where the second word is very important. We've all heard of positive reinforcement. We've all heard of negative reinforcement, right? Positive and negative reinforcement. We got those two words there. I'm about to blow your mind. You know what other words we have that go along with positive and negative? You ready for it? Positive punishment and negative punishment. Did you guys just hear me? We have positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. We also have positive punishment and negative punishment. David, you're getting tricky. No, I'm not. Stay with me. So I just said positive. We have to look at both words here, guys. Okay, so stay with me here. Let's talk about the reinforcement side before we go to the punishment side. Reinforcement. Reinforcement by definition in the psychology world. Reinforcement is going to increase behavior. Okay, it's going to increase behavior. Punishment is going to decrease behavior. Now, this is where it starts getting real tricky because everyone's hearing, oh, increase and decrease. Oh, automatically, David, we're at positive and negative again. You're kind of right. You're on the right track if you're thinking that, but let's, let's, let's make this differentiation here. Now, if I have the words positive reinforcement, right? Positive reinforcement. Let's say I have those words right there. 
positive we now know means addition. So I can already take that first word and go, we're adding something because it's positive. Now let's look at the second word, reinforcement, okay? Reinforcement increases behavior. Okay, so I could kind of, I can go, well, let's see. I know what positive means. I know what reinforcement means. Positive means to add something. Reinforcement means to increase behavior. Okay, so positive reinforcement is to add something to increase the behavior. Yeah. So I could easily jump to the other side and go, well, negative means removal. So if we have negative reinforcement, ah, stay with me, guys. Negative reinforcement, let's look at the two words. Negative means to remove something, to, to decrease something, to remove something. Reinforcement means to increase a behavior. So I'm removing something to increase a behavior. What, David, you're getting crazy. <laughs> yes, I am. Stay with me, guys. I love this stuff. Gosh, I love this stuff. All right. Positive reinforcement is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. Therefore, negative reinforcement is the removal of a stimulus also to increase a targeted behavior. Huh. Stay with me, guys. The point being, reinforcement is going to increase behavior, whether it's positive or negative reinforcement, either one. By definition, because of what reinforcement means, I'm removing a stimulus, adding a stimulus, removing a stimulus, adding a stimulus, all with the idea to increase behavior, because it's reinforcement, okay? Now, let's talk about the punishment side. Oh, everybody hates punishment. Oh, my gosh. Dude. No, let's not hate punishment. Let's understand punishment, right? Punishment is anything an animal works to avoid, guys. Anything. Anything an animal works to avoid. The most basic example I always have to give because all of us can relate to it. I don't want to get a speeding ticket, so I drive the speed limit when I drive down the street, right? So I don't want to get a ticket. I work to avoid getting the ticket. Therefore... By that, whoa, that just fit the definition, didn't it? Anything an animal works to avoid. I work to avoid getting a ticket. Therefore, a ticket is a form of punishment for, for me. And a ticket decreases my behavior of speeding. Oh, remember when I just said punishment decreases behavior. So by, by creating a form of punishment, by adding a punishment like a ticket. Oh, anybody getting there? Anybody getting there? When I'm adding a punishment like a ticket to decrease the behavior of speeding, I'm actually positively punishing the behavior. Oh, we're getting so tricky, David. We're getting so tricky. Yes, I'm adding a stimulus to decrease my behavior of speeding. Does that make sense, guys? Are you staying with me here, right? So amazing. Positive and negative don't mean good and bad anymore all of a sudden. Do they all of a sudden? Is it starting to click for some of you out there? I know, this is tricky. You may have to go back and listen to this four more times. Believe me, guys, it took me a couple months to get all this straight because it's not, while it's simple, it's not. Let it be simplistic in the information, but think about what I'm saying because it all kind of, it's like a little puzzle. You got to fit all the pieces, right? So if I just said adding a stimulus to, to, uh, to, to decrease the behavior, right? Adding a stimulus to decrease the behavior, well, that's going to be positive punishment because adding something is positive. But to decrease a behavior, that's punishment. So therefore, it's positive punishment. Wow, I love this stuff. All right, my <laughs> now let's put it all together. Let's see if I can give an example to you guys where we're gonna use positive and negative punishment, and we're also going to use positive and negative reinforcement. Now, there's two examples I really like to give. There's a human perspective example and a dog perspective example. Let's start with the human perspective example, okay? 
We were all little kids at one point, and you guys may have heard this, I've given this example before, uh, but we can all relate to it. That's what I like about these. They're very relatable, all right? First one is, we have a little kid. Let's say it's a little five-year-old, right? The five-year-old's acting up and starts throwing a tantrum and ah, and we say, five-year-old, go to your room. And they throw a tantrum and they go to their room and they're crying in their room and they're pouting and it goes on and on and on. But then all of a sudden we hear it tampering off and the crying starts to stop, begins to stop, should I say. Now, let's think about this, guys. In that moment, I want the child to behave, right? And not throw a tantrum. So we all do this automatically. We go, go to your room. You don't even realize it, but you're using positive and negative punishment right then. Stay with me. The child is misbehaving. I want that behavior to decrease. Well, if I want that behavior to decrease, I have to use a form of punishment. Okay, well, let's see. The kid wants to be out hanging out with us, so just taking away kid's freedom, aka a timeout, right? Removing that freedom is a form of punishment to a child. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? Removing that freedom is a form of punishment to the kid. So what is that? It's negative punishment, isn't it? Ah, I love it. How awesome is that? It's coming together. Now, stay with me. You ready for it? Oh, you ready for it? So I'm taking away their freedom, but I'm also putting them in their room, creating a boundary, right? Creating, creating a boundary. So I'm removing their freedom and I'm also adding a boundary, David, you're blowing my mind. We are positively and negatively punishing at the exact same time. Guys, this is where this stuff can be tricky because we can have stimulus uh, happening simultaneously. Stimuli, there you go. Happening simultaneously and they're both punishers. They're both forms of punishment. So I take away their freedom, negative punishment. I add a boundary such as telling them to go to their room, positive punishment. Two forms of punishment to get that behavior to decrease. Now, a few minutes go by, kids stop screaming, they stop throwing a tantrum in their room, and they calm down. Well, that's the behavior I want, so I want to reward that behavior. I don't want to keep punishing. Why in the world would I want to keep punishing them if they're doing the right thing? I don't want to decrease desired behavior. I want to increase desired behavior. So now, i got to get rid of all the punishments. Let's get rid of them. Let's open that door. Let them out. Give them freedom. Take away. I'm removing all the punishments. Stay with me here. The child is now doing the desired behaviors. I don't want to keep punishing that. I want to stop punishing that. So I remove the punishments to increase that desired behavior. Aha! Remove the punishment, negative, to reinforce that calm behavior. Reinforcement. To increase, excuse me, to increase that calm behavior. Reinforcement. See what I did there? Remove the punishment, negative. Okay? I'm removing the punishment to increase that desired behavior, reinforcement, negative reinforcement. Boom, there it is. This is what I love about this stuff, guys. It's a very simplistic puzzle when you start just plugging and chugging, going, well, what's happening right now? What is going on? Well, I added a punishment. Oh, boom, stop positive punishment. Cool, well, now they're doing what I want. Oh, God, I gotta take that punishment away. Well, let's see, I got a negative, I gotta remove negative, uh, and I'm trying to reinforce that behavior. Oh, negative reinforcement, done. How awesome is that? This is what I love about my job. It's funny, it's fascinating to me. My wife loves being a CPA because everything makes sense, right? Everything has a box to check, everything uh, everything comes to terms, everything equals that. All the numbers are plug and chugging and all is like a big puzzle that she can make sense. And the funny thing is I laugh about it because that's exactly what psychology is, just in a completely different way. <laughs> and that's what I love about it. There's that resolution in the end. 
Always. You can always find, what do I need to be using? Reinforcement, punishment. But what do they give me what I like? Yes, okay, I need to reinforce that behavior. Well, let's see, I'm going to add this to, so that's positive. Okay. All right, we got really tricky today. We got really tricky today. But guys, that's the basics of what it comes down to. Um, the intricate basics, the, the advanced basics, <laughs> but, uh, but basics nonetheless. Okay, so... To review, to review, positive and negative, they don't mean good and bad in the science world, they're going to mean addition and subtraction. So when we have words like positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and we have words like positive punishment and negative punishment, we're not thinking good and bad. Instead, we're thinking addition, subtraction, adding, removing, right? Okay. Now, if I, I have to look at it like a flow chart, and we're going to go through the review as well as add this in. I like to look at it like a flow chart. Okay. Are they doing what I like? The animal, are they giving me a desired behavior? Yes, cool, reinforce that behavior, whether that be through positive or negative, most likely in that instance, it'll be positive reinforcement. Okay, add a stimulus to increase that behavior. Cool, is the animal still doing what I like? Yes, cool, positive, you see what I'm saying here? Okay, how about is the animal doing what I like? Is my dog doing what, no, they're not, ooh. Well, I need that behavior to decrease, I need that behavior to decrease, that's punishment, okay. Uh, let's see, they're jumping all over me. My goodness. Well, how do I get them to stop jumping? I may need to give them a little correction, maybe a little touch correction. Positive pun. Let's see, I'm adding a stimulus to decrease that behavior. Positive punishment. There it is. Did my punishment work? Yes. Remove the punishment to negatively reinforce the behavior. Are they continuing to do the desired behavior? Yes. Positively reinforce the behavior. Right? Don't overcomplicate it. Yet it's complicated. But don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Look at it like a flow chart. If you understand these concepts and you memorize these definitions, guys, you'll have no problems. None. Zip. Zilch. Zero. Um, and again, this is a good opportunity to plug the Patreon page again. Make sure you go check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash speakadogcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash speakadogcast. Because guys, we have awesome content going up there. We're going to be having a monthly uh, group Zoom call. Well, we're going to be talking about all these kind of things. You guys can actually uh, interact and talk with me, and we can really get in depth on truly understanding this stuff. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's a really great way to take your training further with your dog. So again, guys, check it out. Patreon.com slash speak a dog cast, get some great content and help support the podcast. Uh, gotta give that plug. All right. So getting back to it, the one thing, um, I kind of want to, more than anything, I really want you to take away from this is the positive and negative reinforcement guys. More than anything, we need to have that understanding that positive and negative, we're talking about science, we're not talking about feelings. We're not talking about emotions. We're talking about science class. What does positive and negative mean in math? Does it mean, oh, I'm hurting, I'm happy? No, it doesn't. It means adding and subtracting. Keep it that way with psychology because that's what it is. All right? Um, look, these concepts, while they may be difficult, like I said, if you keep it simple and you start looking at it from a very basic perspective, you will start seeing your dog's behavior in a different light. Um, that's when, you know, when I'm a couple sessions in with somebody and we start getting to that point, I love it. They start seeing it, you know, by session one and session two, it's like, well, Hey David, what do I do for this? How do I, David, what do I correct by session three and four? The people who've been doing their homework, it's not, Hey, well, I need to reinforce that. Right. Should I read? I need to be positively uh, reinforced. Do I, I need to be positively punishing that? Oh, that's negative. Oh, I didn't negatively reinforce that fast enough. When I start hearing the, Hey, what should I do here? Versus, Oh, that was positive or Shay, should I do positive reinforcement or See the difference? You know what I mean? When I start seeing that, you start seeing the training evolve and really take off. Okay. So I cannot stress it enough. You will not have the success you're looking for with your dog without understanding these basic concepts. 
You need to understand positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment to get where you want to be. All right. Uh, I, I know it's it's not easy. Make some flashcards. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> All right. So get out there, understand these concepts, train your dog, and of course, get out there and walk your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At the Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speak a Dogcast, so you want to start a podcast. Now, I know this isn't dog-related, uh, but I did get a question on my Q&A uh, about some podcast stuff. And, you know, I, we're, we're just going to take a break from the dog stuff for this segment, and we're going to talk a little podcasting. Here's the cool thing. It is not that hard to start a podcast. It's actually pretty simple. Um, there are some things you got to think about, and there's definitely a little bit of money that goes into it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it definitely takes a little bit of money, not a lot, a little, okay, to get it started. And there are certain things you have to consider. So I wanted to just kind of run through it really quick because as you guys know, you're listening to a podcast, you know how many different topics and genres and all kinds of stuff there is out there. There is a podcast for everything. And what's really neat to me is it can just be for fun. You know, that's how this started. And it's just, it really just started for fun. And then it evolved and I wanted to get the information out there. And it's one of those things where you might be surprised how many people want to hear the topic you have to talk about, you know, the information. And so, you know, I think just go, go do it. You know, why not? Why not start a podcast? It could evolve into something even cooler. Bare minimum, you're probably going to meet other people that are interested in the same thing you are. You might find some cool guests, interviews, and people that might want to come on and talk about it. You never know what can come out of it. So I encourage you, if it's a hobby, if it's a profession, if it's something in between, start a podcast for it. There are other people out there who have the same interest as you. There are other people out there who want to hear good information. Now, that's the first thing with starting a podcast. And you're going to read it everywhere if you start Googling. You have to have good content, guys. You just have to. You know, nobody wants to hear you talk about uh, flowers if you don't know anything about flowers. <laughs> and for that matter, it's also got to be a little entertaining, right? It's got to keep your interest, pique your interest, obviously. Nobody wants to listen to something they don't want to listen to. We did that in school. Why do I want to keep doing that now? You know, <laughs> you want to want to learn it. Want to want to learn Yeah, you get what I'm saying. So the content has to be good, guys. Your content has to be uh, um, something somebody wants to listen to. It's that simple. So if it requires you maybe writing a script the first time or rehearsing it, do whatever you got to do because it's important that what you put out there is a good product. That's just it. Your voice uh, is going to be a product. So the content is, is, the, is the meat and potatoes of it. Now, with that said, I'm a big advocate for a good 
sounding, good quality content. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the way I do my podcast. You know, look, I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. I really have, and I'm, I'm proud. Of, I'm very proud of it. It's something I have tried to do well from the start. And look, when I started my podcast, I I had. I had some equipment from I'm very from college from my college days. I was in a band in college, and I happened to have a little bit of equipment. I had a microphone. It was a cheapy, cheapy little condenser microphone, is what they're called. It's an omnidirectional kind of picks up the sound in the whole room. Not the most ideal microphone for a podcast necessarily. Depends, but it worked. Even if you listen to my first episode, well, the quality of the microphone is not like this guy right here. Uh, it's really good. So. I'm all about putting out a quality product, not just with the content, but with the sound as well. So there's a lot of different things you have to consider, okay? So very basically put, guys, you have to take your voice and you have to be able to get it on a platform that uploads it to the internet, right? That's that's the most simplistic way to think of it. So to start a podcast, you have to have a microphone, right? Then this microphone has to have a way to connect to either a computer or a recording device, one or the other. Look, if you own a Macintosh, if you own an Apple, a Mac, Macintosh, am I dating myself? If you own a Mac, <laughs> I think I just did. If you own a Macintosh, uh, if you own a Mac, an Apple product, even the iPads, even the iPhones today, guys, they come with GarageBand, or you can download GarageBand for a very cheap fee, and GarageBand is one of the most powerful tools out there for a podcaster. No, it's not Logic Pro and it's not, guys, for the average podcaster, you won't need anything beyond GarageBand. And for most of you, it's gonna be a free application. So I highly recommend you look into uh, GarageBand for your Apple products, that's how you get started with it. So you're gonna need a microphone and a way to connect to GarageBand. This is the beautiful thing. They make USB microphones now. Connects directly from the microphone into your USB port into GarageBand, you click record, Boom, you got a podcast. It's that simple now. I mean, personally, I'm not the biggest advocate of the USB microphones. I'm just saying I'm not. I don't think their quality quite reaches what an XLR, <clears throat> excuse me, an XLR cable, and that's a standard microphone cable, what a true microphone cable is going to be able to reproduce sound-wise. Uh, so with that said, you're going to need something called an interface. Your microphone is gonna go from the microphone to a cable to this little interface, a little box that then takes the sound and puts it to your computer via USB. The reason for this, guys, is there's a lot of processes that go in between that microphone and the computer, what we call preamplification. I'm not getting into all this stuff, but you gotta have a high quality preamplifier, a high quality microphone. The originating part of your sound has to be quality before it even hits your computer, okay? So I know this is a lot of like people going, David, dog, but no, seriously, I, I, I actually, this is not the first question I've gotten about starting a podcast. So I wanted to just do this because look, guys, I'm an, I'm an animal guy, you know, while yes, I had experience with bands in college and I, I was lucky I had some experience with garage band messing around with it with my college band and stuff. Um, it definitely gave me a leg up, but the reality is I've been training dogs for 10 plus years. I've been training animals for 10 plus years. I, I'm not a sound engineer and this podcast is 100% me. Okay, I, I, I record it, I'm the sound engineer, I'm the director, the writer, the content creator, I edit, uh, I upload everything. I upload it all to the website, get it streamed out there. It is 100% all me. I am not an expert in this. I like to think I've learned a lot and I've gotten pretty good at it, but I'm not an expert and that's the point anybody can start this. So again, guys, microphone. XLR cable into a USB interface. There's so many good interfaces. Look, I'll give you, an, this interface, I'll tell you right now, it's 150 bucks, not on sale. And it is one of the best 
interfaces out there. If you're really interested in all the equipment I use and you really want to hear everything broken down, please feel free to just message me or email email me because not everybody wants to hear this boring stuff. You can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or message me on social media and I'll give you the breakdown of literally every piece of equipment um, that I use for the podcast. And I will say this, I was very savvy and very smart about how I built my podcast and all of my equipment. Um, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I was looking around my room and I'm going, I don't think there's anything in this room I paid full price for. I'll be honest. I, I waited till things went on sale. I was smart. I did my research. I knew the equipment I wanted to buy. I wanted to build towards, uh, and it's allowed me to get the podcast where it is. So literally every piece of my of equipment in my podcast studio, I did not pay full price for. So something to consider as well. Take your time building. Okay. So again, Microphone, XLR cable, USB interface into my computer. Guys, there's also amazing free web-based applications now, you know, like, like GarageBand. We call those DAWs. Um, that's that's a DAW, DAW. We'll just kind of leave it at that. That's what it's called, the, the type of software that's going to record your audio. And they have these web-based DAWs now where you don't even have to have GarageBand. You don't even have to have something loaded on your computer. So even if you're PC-based, you can find great free software out there to be able to record your soft, uh, podcast and get started. That's how simple this stuff, guys. I mean, that's how simple it is. Like, that's how awesome. And that's why I encourage you all to go out there and explore this as an option because it's really, really cool. Um, from there, we got one more step, right? Now we've recorded our audio. How do we get it out into the world? Now, this is where I admit I'm not the expert. I had to have somebody else come in and help me to show me how to get it going. Um, basically, in a nutshell, you have to take this audio recording, this MP3 that you have, and you have to get it onto the internet to then be put out to all the podcasting software, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. There's so many different apps I can't even begin to tell. So all of these apps have to pull that audio from somewhere, right? That audio has to come from somewhere. So you're going to take that audio and upload it. Now, there's many different services, servers, services that offer this uh, as, as one of their products, right? So I use something, I'm just going to tell you what I use. I use a, uh, something called Squarespace. You might all, might've heard of them. They do web pages, that kind of stuff. And it's through my webpage. So basically I have a webpage that I bought that was designed for me. This is again, I didn't design it, uh, or it's speakadogcast.com. We upload the episode to speakadogcast.com, which then sends out some magical code. Again, this is where I am not the expert. And that code then is able to be pulled from all the podcasting uh, servers, right? And then they can host my pod, or actually I, my website hosts my podcast and they pull it to give it out to the world, right? I, again, that's where I am not the expert. I may have even got some of that little language messed up there. <laughs> I apologize to all the uh, computer nerds and geeks out there. Thank you guys. You're what makes this all run. Uh, but I am not the expert when it comes to that. I'm more the expert on the audio stuff, the recording, all that kind of, and again, I'm not an expert, but gotten pretty good at it. I'd like to think, okay. So that's the point, guys. It doesn't take much to start a podcast. It really doesn't. You Really what you just need to concentrate on is you have to have a way to record your voice, which is a microphone. Then you have to think about getting that voice, getting that audio to whatever kind of recording device you use. There are, you know, um, you can get SD recorders. There's that, the Rode podcast. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. If you're starting off a podcast, do not waste your money on a Rode podcaster. It's a good piece of equipment. It's a versatile piece of equipment, but most likely it's going to be way overkill for what you need. I told you, my interface is 150 bucks. The Rode pod, uh, Podcaster is like 600 bucks or 750 now for the new one or whatever it is, something like, I mean, 
Ooh, crazy. You can do so much of that stuff without needing that madness. It's not that there isn't a time to play for it. Okay, uh, but that's kind of the nutshell version, guys. You want to start a podcast, it's not hard. Think about the audio, how it gets to your computer, how you record it, and getting it out there. Now, one more thing is the editing, because I can hear it. Well, David, that's great, but how do you make it sound good? That's a little tougher, and to be honest, we're not going to go into that today because, again, this is a dog podcast, but if you are interested, I'm more than happy to share my tips with you. Look, guys, I'll be honest, this this podcast, even now, still gets recorded in GarageBand. Yep, you heard me right. This podcast is recorded in GarageBand. The key is I have a good interface with good preamps and a good microphone. Uh, the originating sound is the most important aspect of creating a quality-sounding podcast. Um, so really, really fun that I'm still using GarageBand and I can make it sound great. So if you know, like we want to get into the post, uh, post editing, uh, or excuse me, post production editing, it's a whole different story. You know, there's different add-ins and different EQ, you know, equalization we can put to our voice and all that kind of stuff. It depends on the microphone, the voice, all, all that has to be adjusted. Plosives, right? We hear a Notice you don't hear that very much on my podcast. I'm very proud of that <laughs> because I can't stand when I'm sitting listening to a podcast and all I hear is every other word. It drives me crazy. So little things like that, if you pay attention, that's what can help elevate your podcast, elevate your sound, and create a better quality and enjoy more enjoyful, more joyful, that's not a word, <laughs> more enjoyable product for all your listeners out there to hear. So again, guys, if you are interested in starting a podcast, feel free to reach out to me if you have any more questions questions at speakadogcast.com. You can email me or reach out to me on social media. I'm more than happy to provide you with an equipment list of what I have or how you get going or any other insight you might have to the podcast. So uh, good luck out there starting your podcast. And again, guys, I encourage you all get out there and spread the information around. The answer to today's trivia question, what dog is born with white fur, but then develops black spots? Of course, it's the Dalmatian. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about William Henry Harrison. Now, William Henry Harrison, he was the ninth president of the United States, and he served from March 4th, 1841, only to April 4th, 1841. Yes, this was making him the shortest tenured president to date. Now, he died of what is suspected to have been shock from enteric fever. Now, additionally, because of his early death, that meant that three presidents served in one calendar year. This would only occur one more time in 1881. After Harrison's death, the 25th Amendment was passed to give a clear understanding of what should be done should a president become disabled or incapacitated while in office, whether it be temporary or permanent. Now, before becoming president, Harrison served as a U.S. senator and representative. He also had the distinction of being the first president to be photographed while in office. Now, while only serving as president for such a short time, there is no telling how many pets he and his family could have had. Uh, however, we do know that they only brought two animals with them to the White House. Yes, a billy goat and a cow named Suki. Now, both animals were most likely owned for a more practical purpose, of course, and less of a companion-type animal. After the president's death, it is assumed that the cow and the goat left the White House with Mrs. Harrison and the kids and went back to live in their home. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. 
The first question today comes from Jennifer from Sarasota, Florida. Jennifer says, my dog really likes to play dress up. Okay, not like putting cute little clothes on. <laughs> As he goes into my closet, he will rub himself in my hanging clothes. He'll sometimes do it with my husband's clothes, but mostly it's my dresses he likes. He doesn't bite them, chew them, or anything like that. He'll just go in and slowly walk back and forth in and out of them. Now, sometimes he'll just go in and put himself into the dresses and stand there. What is this behavior about? Jennifer, great, great question. Uh, look, I have a dog who does a similar thing. Uh, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> it's a quirky, quirky thing. Look, I, this is where I don't pretend to know every answer. 100% honesty, guys. I don't know every answer. And as a matter of fact, if I said I did, you should stop listening to me because nobody knows everything and nobody has every answer on why a dog does every little thing they do. I can give you an answer for maybe most things, uh, but this is one of those things where I can probably associate, and again, is where we can try to dissect the behavioral pattern and look at it and go, okay, scent. Uh, look, interestingly enough, when I work with dogs, I will say that the dogs, male or female, doesn't even matter, tend to be more interested in the sense that the wife or the woman of the household gives off more than the man. Just speaking the truth, guys, this is what I've noticed in a pattern and its consistency, okay? They tend to go after more of the um, the wife's clothes, whether it be destroying them or just laying them or smelling them. It tends to be the wife. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on why this is. It could have to do something with the estrogen versus testosterone smell. could have to do with hierarchy and... I don't know how much I can dissect this because how much of a pattern really is there? How much are they really telling me? Not much. I could also go with the idea that it's scent. They like rubbing their scent on your scent and vice versa. We've proven that with dogs. They absolutely love putting their scent on you and vice versa. It's a way to bond. It's a pack thing. Uh, it most likely... That's what it is. I'll be honest, most likely. And then there's a third option that maybe your dog just really likes the way your dresses feel. Could be a fun material. My chihuahua loves very, very soft blankets over any other blanket. If I've got five blankets laying out on my uh, couch and she's up, she's going to choose the softest, most velvety feeling blanket out of all of them. Of course, they can um, like one texture over other, over another texture. Of course, dogs have that tactical feel and can do... But every dog's going to be different and how much they like this versus that, I can't exactly dissect. So there's three options for you, <laughs> right, Jennifer? There's three options. And without asking your dog, I can't specifically tell you what I can't. Again, I can dissect certain things like, well, he's not destroying them. Uh, he's not shredding them. It's not necessarily in an, you know, I, with my dog, it's very random. And other dogs, I've heard of these kind of behaviors. They're random. There's not a, there's not a, well, they only do it when I leave. Or I mean, sometimes there is, but a lot of times it's, 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 it's just, I think it's a scent thing. I'll be very honest. I think it has to do with scent and the fact that they want to put their scent on you and they like your scent on them. Why they may choose your, your closet over your husband's. Could it be tactical? Could it be testosterone versus estrogen? I can't really tell you that. You know, we could probably do a lot of in-depth. If I got 20 dogs, let's say I got 20 dogs together that all had these kind of similar habits and we did different testing with it and we tried clothes that didn't smell like their owner versus their owner, which ones they chose, then I could give you a better idea. But I'll be honest, I've never had that sample pool to be able to come to those conclusions. So I haven't set up that research paper myself and I can't give you uh, the conclusions beyond what I gave you. But yes, Jennifer, what, what an interesting question, right? Because it is, it's fascinating. Why do our dogs do these things? Sometimes, sometimes we may never know. Next question. 
This comes from Gemma from Jacksonville, Florida. Gemma says, I was thinking about going into a career with animals. I'm a senior in high school, but I do not know specifically what I want to do with them. I'm leaning toward training and behavior, but I really love helping animals from a medicinal standpoint as well. Any advice? Gemma, I love that you want to work with animals. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for caring and loving them the way that so many of us professionals do. So thank you. Um, Look, if you don't know what you want to do as far as like, if you want to be a vet or a zoologist or behavior or psychology side, it's tough. Look, I'll say this, from a psychology standpoint, there really are not a ton of undergraduate undergraduate programs that really emphasize the behavioral and training side. Um, a lot of zoology programs have great behavioral and training programs built into them, but of course the emphasis is going to be more on the zoology, the biology, those kind of things. Um, that's where the focus is going to be in those programs. You know what, Gemma, you're in Jacksonville. I, I will say this. I haven't been up there in a very long time, but uh, in Gainesville, Florida, not very far from you, you should go check it out. There is a teaching zoo there, a teaching zoo at the Santa Fe College. You really should go see it. It's really neat. I wish it's it's amazing how life kind of works out sometimes. When I was in my early late teens, early 20s, I was in Gainesville. But I hadn't figured out that I wanted to work with animals. And to be honest, I wish, man, if I had been one or two years ahead in my thinking and realizing what I wanted to do, I would have gone to that Santa Fe teaching zoo in a heartbeat. Would have. Behavior, you know, they do training stuff. They do some behavior. Of course, it's a zoology program. That's going to be the focus. But I would highly recommend checking it out. They have a little mini zoo on property. They do a lot of great work. And it's definitely a program worth researching. So Gemma, go check out the Santa Fe College Teaching Zoo in Gainesville, Florida, not very far from you. Um, you can go go give them a call, an email, and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to give you a tour. Um, but yeah, you know, look, when it comes to the behavioral psychology side, at least back in my day, um, most people that I met and knew in the animal industry early in my years, they were psychology majors, you know, people, human psychology, they were psychology majors. Another thing I'll say, Jennifer, and I, you know, I haven't I don't know if they still have this program. I would assume they do because they did um, not that long ago, quite a few quite a few years ago, a couple of years ago, they still have this program. FIU, Florida International University. Check them out as well, Gemma. Um, they had a psychology program with a minor in animal psychology. So it had an animal psychology program attached to it. Wasn't the emphasis, but I know somebody who did the program and, and, and enjoyed it. So definitely another thing you'd want to check out. Um, but, you know, if you're going to that behavioral side, another thing I will say is go volunteer, go find a zoo, go find an animal shelter, go find any way to get hands-on experience working with some basic training, even if it's just dogs. Wonderful way to start, get your foot in the door. And to me, when it comes to animal training, it's all about experience. It's all about the experience you have with a one-on-one -on -one working relationship with an animal. That's where you get the knowledge. That's where you truly get the understanding. Don't get me wrong. Segment today, go back and listen to it. Psych 101 is what it's all about. It's all about that informational, the educational side too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't want to discount that. But really, once you have that foundation, once you have that book education, you've got to get the tactical, the, the hands-on side of it. And you can get a leap ahead by going and volunteering at a local zoo, local animal shelter, local dog rescue, all these different places that one, could use your help, and two, can give you a lot of knowledge and hands-on. I, I truly believe you're going to learn more by failing <laughs> with an animal the first few times and not getting that success you're looking for than you will by reading something. It's not, you know, in a book. It's, it's not to say you shouldn't have that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but 
but you got to have both and you really learn more by failing and succeeding with an animal and building that relationship and trust with them. So uh, I hope that helps you out, Gemma. Good luck out there on your animal journey. And I hope you help out a lot of animals, whether it be in the medical field or the psychology field. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday. Follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. And of course, become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Have to give a huge shout out and big gigantic thank you to my very first patron, Regula Wright. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon page. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.